Hello and welcome to another episode of Unfiltered. I'm Yunina Doyle. I'm Jonathan Kleeman. And Chris, what's your last name? Monty. I don't... Oh, I think I did know that. And That's we, the least amount of organisation we've ever had, actually. There's a TH in it well, that people say tha, but it's Monthai. It's I feel like you would yeah. say there's a TH in it, how would I pronounce that? As if right. you're asking us how to do your name then, that would have been interesting. People just assume they know how to pronounce it, which is fair enough. Because well, in just the, Chris. in other words, yeah, yeah just, I can just be know, Chris. Just Christian Chris. is the full name, I go by Chris. Are you actually Christian? Technically. I quite like Christian, because I think of Christian Grey from, you know, um, oh my god, what's the book called? <laughs> what's the book called? Christian Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, at least Isn't that, it? yes, it, it. I didn't know that's where you were going with that. I was thinking of Dorian Gray. So, like, that shows different <laughs> to my reading knowledge to yours. But yeah. So. Anyway, thank you very much for having you, me. No, I am so I'm so pleased to have you because we've been talking for ages to get you on the show, and you're our first American. I figure if you're going to do an American wine show, someone should have a good American accent. Well, or at least I should try and do an American accent. The funny part, this is actually his real voice. He actually sounds really cockney. <laughs> just bring it on. Yeah, I'm from, Liber- I'm from Liverpool, actually. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it's just... Can you do a stronger American accent? Um, I probably could. My girlfriend tells me in the six years I've been here, I'm quite toned down. Yeah. In so my you know, Americanness. Where are you from originally, though? Arizona. You're from Arizona? Yeah. So which doesn't, is that maybe Arizona? Is it maybe like a longer end to the world? That's more California. It doesn't have that. California has the surfer kind of thing. No, California. I used to work with California. She had that whole, like, it sounded really sexy at first until you had to get a whole conversation out of well, there which is like so the girls kind of sound like this and <laughs> like you know like no no we, of... she had the whole like the really like we went to surf she had the whole like so what we're going to do today <laughs> yeah is in the first time wow this is really cool we were like okay can you hurry Speed up I need to uh, I need to get back to service and, in, in, and then Arizona's quite actually normal in terms of accents There's it's a, quite a neutral accent okay. I think if you look at Oregon and Washington and sort of west coast in general quite neutral and once you go, start going east if you get Texas you can start getting slow again so gas, te- gas from own- Tennessee tend to talk <laughs> like this and they slow it way down so you can understand. <laughs> I like, like that accent. That's really nice. That's, well, that's kind of Tennessee. So, and then, and then in the South, it gets a bit fast for me, but very Southern. I'm all, I'm all about the main accent. I think that's always one of the more interesting ones. And I lived in Boston for a while. I can't do it well, but you, oh, you, 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 you limit from ours. the front of your mouth, and you right? limit ours. So, well, kai, park the park the car is how you say park the car. Things like that. Is that I just I'd start I thinking of the departed. You crop exactly. You crop. It's all I can go to for that. It's all I can think of is depart if you say Boston. And some of them are very good at that. And honestly, like um, some of those actors are very good at the Boston accent. But yeah, it seems yeah, like a fun one to do. Yes. We, we should practice. But we'll it's, practice this afterwards. It's like two echelons down from South African in aggressiveness. Like it's not much, <laughs> but it's. Uh... So Chris slash Christian, um, you came here six years ago. Were you in yeah. wine before? No, so I've been in wine for about four years now. Okay. Yeah, just over four years. So I was a chef. Soaking in wine, or yeah, exactly. Just actually, physically, in, physically in wine. Physically just soaking in wine. Soaking in wine really preserved in wine. <laughs> and yeah, well, yeah. So I was, I was actually cooking when I came to London first. I remember you, you telling me you were a chef. You, you seem quite relaxed and calm and nice. He doesn't. But you say, but head. you said you were a chef. So this conflicts. Is it literally like? The day you put the apron away, you suddenly felt the world was a better place. Yes, exactly. And as you go higher and higher in the <laughs> kitchen, you, ha- you can you, people cry more when you yell. So if you're a head chef, you can, and then you, you yell can, at them because they're crying. Because yes, why are you crying? Yes, exactly. Can you, can you stop crying. The tears are getting <laughs> in the sauce. Stop crying in the sauce. <laughs> yeah. So that yes, that's why I came originally. I mean, I studied geology in school. I had a really good time. Loved doing all that. But... Geology to chefing. Yeah. Yeah. And you went to school and you became a chef. This is all very yes. confusing. It's not a normal. I didn't go to school to be a chef. But no, but I, you went to school and you became a chef. Yes. Most some chefs become chefs because they didn't go to school. 
Yeah, well, in the U.S., in the, well, especially in the U.S., you, you if you've done something else, you've been kind of in the army, and you're looking for something else to do, you kind of cook. Are you in then, the army as well? No, oh, but, okay. <laughs> but if you are looking for something after the main thing you do, then but you your biography cooking. would be a lot better if you'd done that. Geology student, to chef, to army, back to chef, to then the wine trade. Maybe killed it. No, I won't say that. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's been a, it's been an interesting. So it's been kind of full circle with the geology coming back. Yes, yeah, so I was cooking for a while here in London, and then got involved in the wine trade a couple years ago. And now? Now, uh, we're, well, I'm also in the wine trade now, yeah, still. Still. Work for a company called The Wine Treasury Yay. here in London. We sell mostly to oh, restaurants. Soft plug, soft plug. Oh, well, I love yeah, the no, wine good. treasury. We can drop names in this, right? No, yes, no, no. Talk about, no. And you, swearing is good, too? Yeah. No, swearing is okay good. We're, we're pro-swearing, and we, we're all about the um, uh, shameless promotion. It's okay, good. Right. Uh, just as long as I can drop names, and, you know... Do that kind of thing. I mean, oh, I I'm, thought you were gonna. Dro- I thought you were gonna drop a name. I mean, I'm. I've I've always, always, as long as we're going forward, and I know the my rules. ongoing issue yeah. with the wine trade is, no, you've I'm, know the rules. is I'm slightly okay. jealous of Rory's hair because Rory's hair is a thing to behold. The fact that he seems to be quite a bit older than me, yet his hair is still that of someone back in early nineties. I'm gonna have to put that up on our Instagram now so people can know what Rory looks like. I know, but his he's hair pretty fine and dandy. He does look like so, he does. Look, he's had a hair transplant from a much younger creature for many decades ago, and it seems to he stay that way. He's very lively and excitable. Rory, Rory's a London fixture. Yeah, and 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 amazing. He's a sculpture. He's amazing to work with. And I often tell people because a lot of what I do at the company is look for new accounts and kind of yeah. talk to young other people and people that don't know us so much and. Honestly, some of the people I contact and say I'm with the wine treasury, they go, "Oh, I know Rory." Yeah, and, you know, he it's sort the, of, you yeah, know, it's, he's like, it's, he's not actually the wine treasury, but he kind of is, isn't he? Yeah, I think mean, yeah. the interesting yeah. about the wine trade, there are certain people in this trade though who already are such characters that, and he is, yeah, you can yeah. spot them at events or this, and you like, yeah, it's, it's, there are certain names if I mention them, and Rory would be one of them, but I can think of some, you know, and for good reasons, but because they're such eccentric characters that, yes. immediately people are like, "Oh, I know who that guy is." Immediately, there's no. Yeah. Uh, and do you think that I mean did you did you join the wine treasury knowing I mean they obviously have a massive American focus yeah Americans do everything bigger that's why it's massive more, you know, exactly California focus um, is that was that pr- pretty yeah, much partially. the main reason I definitely knew of the wines like and the, and the portfolio yeah I definitely knew of the portfolio before I started yeah uh, and knew of I mean yeah knew of the wines before so let's segue into the wine you brought you brought yeah. a classic but also I like white you yeah know, not not just cab. What are you doing? John did this weird thing, like ro- un- like what, almost like opening the screw cap with his rolling it down his arms. Sometimes yeah, I thought about I David Bird. That's my first ever when I was first ever talking about wine. David Bird said, "Look, screw caps people give a bad rep, so one way to make it a bit more entertaining for opening them is to do it roll that way. it down your yeah. arm. Is you that do, a thing? You crack it. I mean, you okay. Again, we'll, we'll you can record do it like that. that. With a table it looks nice. Anyway, so what have you brought? Yeah, so I I brought Texas some notes. Like that. Just... Don't worry. I did. No, I... No, normally John literally reads his from his phone. I brought. So. I did bring crib notes today. No, so you should. Um, but it's very obvious when I read notes because you hear me pause in between reading the sentences. <laughs> especially, especially the red wine that I brought because it's sort of a blend of four things, and I want to make sure I have the percentages right. But Perfect. yeah, so I brought. Uh, we're doing Napa. We should say yeah. obviously. We should say. Sorry, Sorry we yeah. haven't really said. Right, we've wait, we've been really bad here. So anyway, oh my the, God, we the, had a system, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we failed oh, already. So, so right, so you kind of went there because because what the wine treasury kind of focuses on is California. Yes, we were doing well. We were getting there. We, we were getting, getting closer. There. So, in California, obviously, we have Napa, and Napa. There's a lot to say about Napa. We can yeah. talk a lot about Napa. What I brought is a white wine from Napa that's not Chardonnay. Exactly, and I like that. So which it, it, Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc make up about ninety percent of what the white wines in Napa are. So I thought it'd be interesting to look at something that's not basically what people know of as Cal- basically the sort of typecasted California Chardonnay, which mm-hmm. is sort of the big, rich style. 
And so this is Sauvignon Blanc mostly but from it, Napa. It's kind of ironic though because actually most Chardonnay in California doesn't come from Napa at all and actually a lot of Chardonnays from the area are actually nothing like Napa style which is which is very much a distinct style. Yes. But because of its name and where well, it's Napa's only 2% of the whole of California's production. Yeah. Yet think, somehow it counts yeah. for like most of people's opinion of California. Well I think that, yeah. I think that it's worth Especially over here, it's sorry. Worth, yeah, yeah. It's worth making a real clear like uh, segregation of Napa and Sonoma. You know, I always think the easiest way for people to understand that that don't know California so well is Napa is almost the the, the flashy place that you go to it's with all the Michelin style restaurants it's 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 been set up for tourists they they have their bigger styles and their chunk obviously stereotyping they're more kind of polished and bigger reds um, and then you go across to Sonoma which is more than double the size it's, it's a much bigger it's more farmer even, it's a little bit more I, I think even that, rural I, mean, I, 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 I blame Robert Parker as I do for many things but I think he's actually done so much negative for Napa because I think also if you, you know, if you study Napa there's a lot of areas like um, some of the mountain areas actually do really cooler climate styles even sparkling styles from certain areas of Napa yeah. that we never even hear about in general unless you know the but region sparkling or, wine I've always found ten, the, the good stuff am I not right but no, no, generally but from I think Sonoma that, I think, more of the, was, uh, traditionally more the from Sonoma, but the coming from Sonoma. Carneros as well. So Carneros, well, Carneros in the south. And I counted in Napa, which Napa, which concedes, but yeah. there's, a, there's overlapping it, regions. Yeah. So, so Car- yeah. This, this is again. I say this is Robert Parker effect, which is that Robert Parker masturbates over huge big reds and huge <laughs> big whites. So that's what you hear about. But actually, even Napa, which you associate those with, actually has a real. It's it's a very long region with yeah. a real left. With breadth to it, and then a lot of different altitudes as well. Yeah. Mm. And like all great wine regions, it has a lot of different things going on in it, which make what makes it great. And all these um, sub regions are fantastic. So Napa itself is only two percent of the whole of California. Well, California is a humongous wine growing region. If it was on its own as a country, it'd be what fifth biggest in the world? Or it's seven? fifth biggest in the world. It's ninety percent of American wine. And yeah, ninety so... percent American wine. So it's a huge place to grow wine. Napa's a small part of that, but even Napa is actually a really long, thin. Um, snapshot of different parts of that region mm. yeah. and it borders lots of different regions as well so it's, it's a real I think it's a real misnomer to go oh Napa is big Cabernet Sauvignon big well, Chardonnay it's actually not that Chardonnay's not the most dominant grown I don't believe or wasn't Chardonnay is the top white grave oh yeah it's okay. but, then, but, but then Sauvignon Blanc so Chardonnay yeah like, so Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc are 90% of the whites mm. Uh, and that, of course, Chardonnay and Pinot, but Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir is the third red grape. But then also, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is a lot of the Chardonnay that is grown isn't grown into big juicy Chardonnay. It's actually being used for sparkling exactly. or other varieties, yeah. along with the Pinot, which yeah. is being used for that. So that's what I'm getting. Wrong. It's a bit weird because, you, like you said, you have lots of climatic differences from south of in Napa all the way up to Calistoga, which is the warmest. Yeah, so. and then the other thing as well is it's also that north to south, but then it's also the altitude because you've got yeah. the mountain like um, Diamond Peak Mountain. Yeah. Um, oh god, I'm god, I'm Spring, my you've got Mount Spring Vida. Much, yeah, Mount Vida, and these are all Spring, even, Spring all these mountains because yeah. they're different facing, they're different this, they're different as well. Yeah. So you have altitude, you've got, you've got north the to south, lands, then you've, you've got, got the, the, the fog, the fog yeah. content, Floor. which we really should talk about There's as well tons as the fog stuff. stuff. Yeah. And also, as far as I know, apparently half of all the soil types in the whole world. Are inside Napa as well. It's hugely so, complex. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's I, I think that it's not it's not. <laughs> what a, is Napa? How do you define Napa? But I think this is the problem is that unfortunately, due to people like Robert Parker again, not this against him bad, but what people have, John hates. He's like I'm gonna kill. No, actually, I don't. I don't. I don't hate him. I hate the fact that people have put so much idea into what one person says in wine when it's a subjective thing entirely. It's stupid. Um, the point yeah. is that I think the effect of Robert Parker or the Robert Parker effect. In fact, he's not even doing the reviews anymore. It's people underneath him, but just the same crap. Yeah. Um, is 
he is la- because of what he likes from Napa, Napa's been labelled as big cabs, big Chardonnays, mm-hmm. that's it. And that's just stupid because a massive amount of production is none of that. Yeah. Um, like it is in some like same if you go to Bordeaux, going these sort of Bordeaux are the only kind of Bordeaux, completely stupid. Same as you go to all these and it's it's he's his worst effect is actually or this effect of critics is these big regions. Bordeaux, second biggest wine growing region in the whole of France. Yet it gets labelled as only doing one or two kinds of wine, which is just stupid. Yeah. California and Napa, humongous wine growing regions with a massive variety, mm. but they're labelled as just doing X and Y. Because that's all anyone's looking at. Or, you know, the classic thing from Sideways is fuck Merlot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's these silly effects that people have, or buying into what one person or what one character in a goddamn movie says, yeah. that like somehow label a region in the generic view. And then wine companies buy into that, and then you get Gallo come along, and they just make Cabernet Sauvignon from and God knows where and yeah. blend it in they're the ones who then buy into what people are believing because they're believing the wrong person so it's that negative effect I think it's really detrimental to like I think California's got some amazing stuff going on with experimentation um, as well as having some classic wine regions as well which have really been built up over years and yeah. I mean they've got a long history of um, actually been doing you know for New World probably one of the longest histories of doing mm-hmm. um, great winemaking and some very classic winemaking as well um, so I think it's, it's just some, some disservice as well to go just cab sab, just Chardonnay. Well, let's talk about this wine first because it's going to take us a while to go through sure. Napa, I think. So yeah. so I always loved Duckhorn. I used to sell uh, Duckhorn, um, in fact, this one, uh, yeah. and the vintages and, the, and some of their Cabernets. And they've also got their Babia project. Uh, I don't know if they would call it, but, you know, definitely more affordable. The decoy yeah. as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So t- tell me about uh, Duckhorn. Yeah, so Duckhorn in general is basically um, a project that started in the early 70s, like so many people that started growing wine that we know of in, in Napa now, really started in this kind of 60s and 70s, and, and Duckhorn is one of those iconic labels that you still mm. see around basically everywhere. It's, it's, a, it's a big brand doing lots of different wines, and so basically anytime you go to a winery in Napa, what you're going to see is that you might be going for their red wines, Probably if you go to a tasting room, the first thing that they're going to pour you is the Sauvignon Blanc that they make. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not really Sauvignon Blanc isn't, isn't a wine that we associate necessarily with, with Napa so much. Um, these guys started, they, they became known for Merlot, actually, in Napa in the, oh, in the early 70s. Kind of yeah, so in 72, uh, 72, I think, was when they started. Um, Dan and Mary Duckhorn. Duckhorn's their, their last name, the family name. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the, I, thought, I thought it came from a... I didn't know that. Actually. No, yeah, so yeah, Duckhorn's the, Duckhorn's the family name. And uh, basically... Um, Merlot House, of course, Merlot has kind of fallen out of favor. I mean, it's not the most fashionable grape. They're doing really great Cabernets. Uh, they make Chardonnay and Carneros. They make lots of lots of good wines. Sauvignon Blanc. This is eighteen percent Semillon as well. And you can taste that, that just a little bit of extra weight, but also it says on the back, and I don't know how if you know how much there's a bit of French oak in there. Yeah. So um, yeah. So fifteen percent of it's barrel fermented in French oak, mm, and that's new French oak for new? all for the, okay. for the entire portion that's barrel fermented. So eighty five percent of it's stainless steel. And then 50% of the cuvee in, in, in French oak. That's typical in, in Napa. I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about the Fumé Blanc style. They're not really labeling it so much like that anymore. Though, it, that that, that labeling really died off, out, I think, because it's it? not recognized as much anymore. It's, it used it's, to be as a, a good indication. But. It's still one I really... I, California Sauvignon Blanc for me is one thing that's um, very tasty. You have to decide if you like it or not. I mean, it's definitely... I mean, we can talk about taste notes and stuff. It's definitely richer and more tropical... Than a lot of Sauvignon Blancs around mm. the world, the fume, the fume Blanc style that tends to dominate 
sort of the the early versions. Robert Mondavi's most is the most famous one. Is, How is did it take from Robert Mondavi came up well, in yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he's no, done an amazing no, to, thing so, for that. That's that he's a part he, of the big history of Napa. Which yeah. why Napa is. I, I don't think Napa would be what it is. Well, no, it wouldn't be what it is without him. That's definitely assured for what he's done for it. So. Yeah. So I mean, the I, so he he makes an I, he makes what's called the I Blanc, um, I Block. But still, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I Block Reserve Fumé Blanc, mm. which is about ninety dollars retail in the U.S. So quite an expensive wine for Sauvignon Blanc. Is that here in the U.K.? Do you know? Uh, I've never seen it. I haven't. You might it see it around. Is. I mean, people make uh, his his usage of the word Fumé Blanc took mm. off with a, with a few different other producers, but Robert Mondavi basically started using that phrase for a barrel fermented sort of a Bordelais a Bordeaux style yeah. richer Sauvignon Blanc in the well, US Bordeaux was definitely his focus yes sense, which is why you can see that that's tracked onto what the whites I mean for, again to anyone who doesn't understand so ironically we always think of in the old world Sauvignon Blanc we would allocate to the Loire we think of Sancerre Polyfumé ironically though a huge amount of Sauvignon Blanc is actually grown in Bordeaux um, normally it's blended with Semillon and makes the great Bordeaux whites which are coming back into vogue now mm. and I love them to bits and I call them more and really undervalued They're massively really, undervalued really good pricing. and you've seen that but you, what, the only difference you are seeing is a lot of the top houses so the big guys in Bordeaux who only made reds before are now making whites yeah. and some of them are stunning like Lynch Barge you know, White uh, Talbot yeah they're yeah. reds you can't afford on uh, yeah, the whites, the white and the whites are even you can whites. Buy, no, no 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 a lot of their, these their whites you can pick up the amazing Who's whites for 20, 20 pound a bottle retail you're not, not buying the same ones I buy <laughs> Talbot Talbot Lynch Barge uh, Pavlon yeah, well, Blanc are not uh, not, there are okay. There but, are a but, but for a long time, it was it was a long time. It was more focused as just being from onto the mare and from the the, the, the more set side regions. Yeah. Now you're seeing a lot more white grown in small pockets that can do it on the left bank and mm. in other. And also Grave was, was one of the big regions yeah. for it anyway. Passac Lugan uh, is phenomenal for white. So I definitely think that's his inspiration. Obviously came from there. But yeah. the Sauvignon Blanc was Sauvignon Blanc was much more focused in Semillon. Yeah. You do see some Semillon in. in around California but not in Napa that I know much of yeah oh, I mean these guys these guys are making these guys there's there's Semillon in the blend there and there is Semillon it's a more American habit than other places of admitting that they put something else in the blend but still calling it the great variety which I would find really you can have 75 I think it's in, I'm gonna in California I might be 80, 80, no, in 75 not, not in Napa pretty oh, sure different rules for the no I'm pretty sure I know you're talking about 75 Exporting, in most parts it has to be 85% it's I think by it's, the yes, state so to, I no to get no no to get yeah, different state rules Oregon are actually yeah. the tightest with 90 yeah. um, I'm pretty sure that Cal California as a state is 75, 30, but yeah. for any of the sub-regions like Sonoma, Napa have stricter rules, Could it's be. 85 or if not more, yeah. but I always find it's very interesting, if you go to like Chile with the 85% rule, they will never say, oh this Cabernet Sauvignon also has some Merlot, some this and this and that, yeah. while in the US, it's, only, and it's, it's actually more honest in a way, but weird with the labelling, where there's a lot of times you'll pick up a Cabernet Sauvignon and you read the back of it, this Cabernet Sauvignon also has some Petit Verdot, some Merlot, oh, yeah. So it's, it's more honest because they're admitting to it, but it's weird with the and, regulations. And they can do it. I'm just checking, and it says on online 75. percent I think um, I th I'm going to check Napa. Napa. No, really? it says how to read a Napa Valley AVA American Viticulture Association. I, I, give you what, I know. I know Oregon's 90. 75. British Washington State's 85. American General is 75. I'm pretty sure though there's some more strict rules in California. Well, the general rules are 85, not, not, and then but the, but then the, the the main thing is to say about the New World in general is that they're less sort of restricted by where they are. Obviously, 
in France and in very traditional areas, you are you know you're set. If you're the you're the tenth generation winemaker, you must do it this way. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing, I mean, especially John about the wine you brought, which we'll talk about later, is like in Napa and, and other AVAs in in America and in California, you know, you're you can basically do what you want in, in terms of what you're growing. Now the mm-hmm. prices that you're going to get for those wines might be very different. So for example, Sauvignon Blanc, um, you're going to be able to sell that wine for less, much less money per bottle than you will something like a Cabernet. Yeah. Even Chardonnay, which is which is you know very popular, which is the most popular white grape in in, in Napa, uh, gets about two two and a half times less money than a bottle of Cabernet would. Which is from, why from they the focus same producer, it. which yeah. is why which is why they focus on it if they can. Yeah, and I mean. Um, but even yeah. you know, I, 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 do we know how much retail this is? This would be. It varies. I mean, whole, yeah, this, I, mean, I would say. Long. I would guess kind of in the forty to fifty pound range, but I think which it's, is not inexpensive. No, but it's very for me. You've got that luscious fruit. It's they're really grapefruity, but also a bit pineapple-y. It's got a savory character. It's quite luscious. It's yeah. really easy to drink because of the acidity, but actually a, a nice weight behind it. It's a far more interesting Sauvignon Blanc than your standard. Anyone who's a Marlborough New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc drinker, it's nothing like that. No. You're not going to like this. This doesn't have that piercing really acidity. No. It doesn't have that big gooseberry note. Yeah. But it's much more softer and supple it's and soft, more. Isn't it? I, and it the has that ageability as well. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Ageability is one thing. I mean, you know, that's not a very popular term in, in terms of when, when we talk to sommeliers. You don't want to hear that it's going to age well because obviously the name of the game is to sell in well, restaurants. The, but if this is where I'm. Well, this is the problem with the industry that I've had because of whole. It, 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 the supply, everything is a fault for this. There's a big long train of fault, but the fact that people this push to make wines drink younger, I think, is also destroying mm. the flavour complexity of wines. I'm the sort of person who I walk into. One of the reasons I love so many restaurants I do go to or wine bars I go to is I can buy older wines. Yeah. Um, people need to, to be more bloody patient. Um, <laughs> it, they do, and I think the UK really suffers this compared to like France is more common. There are places in the UK doing it, um, but nowhere near as much. Andrew Edmonds is a great example. Oh, well, wine okay, needs yeah. to be and bought and prices. invested in. And if yeah. you do that, ironically, you can sell your wine up later on at much better prices than everyone else and also yeah. make your profit, which yeah. is crazy, but they can do that. And the difference is that one, unfortunately, UK is this kind of want to buy it now and sell it now market. And yeah. if you look at the Burgundy market or even Barolo, the last six, seven years in, in London, I've seen it go from me being able to buy 98 to 99 Barolos to buying 011s. It's like a massive jump. That's... That's an insane. Could we rank it all? Because we love it. Yeah. But they're not ready. Yeah. And even no matter how much more modern winemaking changes you make to them, it doesn't make them ready. Well, that's why I generally like Californian wine because I mean the difference is that yes, they're going to age, they're going to get more interesting, but actually they they do they do do this. It's, it's an advantage. So yeah. much and younger. And this and is seventeen. This is seventeen. So it's young. I mean, it, I mean, for a white wine, yeah, we should be drinking it now. Uh, but it, ha- it can age as well if you want to keep this in your cellar. This it's is got enough concentration. Yeah. Well, yeah. the other thing is also have the alcohol, which was a preservative as well, which helps, actually helps in that sense. I yes. mean, the, I think I think California always had an advantage of being juicy and forward, which a lot of old world places have now copied, but they don't have the advantage of them aging as well. Yeah. And I've had bottles of, I remember, ironically, all my American customers used to buy them because they couldn't find them in America, buying up with a load of old bottles of Robert Mondavi Cabernet Sauvignon from 97. Yeah. Um, which is crap year in Europe a great year over we there we talk about the 97 vintage that, yeah. 97 was phenomenal and yeah. then because the price of it they were saying A it was too cheap so it's weird when you have someone from the country coming over here going this wine's too cheap can't believe you're doing this and they had to buy every bottle so I bought every bottle I could for my supplier that's brilliant um, yeah. but other people weren't buying it for my supplier or buying it for a good price so I got it for a good price because other sommeliers worryingly were saying 
oh, it's New World, it's Californian. They're probably Italian to me. But they were saying it's New World, it's Californian. <laughs> It won't drink well older, and ironically, because it was such a great. You know what? As you see the Chardonnays, I always find Chardonnays from California, um, a few from Italy, where at the beginning they taste very much, you know, all the the big and bold and this. But after you give them time, they go more burgundian in time, and it's, it's a lot of those older wines in California. And I've, I have li- limited experience with the older wines in California, but actually, those wines were made in sort of a more European style with a bit leaner alcohol. Yeah, Te- they actually age better than. I mean, we can talk about the sort of history of California Napa if you want, but basically, yes, when we hit when that. we hit ninety seven, mm. ninety seven was a big turning point, and and those wines were released in two thousand, and those wines garnered really high scores that's when Parker really kicked in mm-hmm. and it's actually those wines if you look at them now that a lot of them if, if they're, they're drinking they were they're much flabbier and we're drink they're not drinking as well as vintages like 98 99 that were made so basically 97 was a huge vintage in Napa yeah. and basically a lot of winemakers couldn't bring in all the fruit at the same time so their tanks were full they're mm-hmm. fermenting so a lot of the fruit was left out in the vineyard to hang ah. which which led which led to longer hang times and actually ripeness and that's and, how they discovered it. And that's it. how they discovered that if you yeah. leave, and in California, of course, they didn't have the disease pressure. They weren't under pressure to, to, to harvest all at once. Yeah, really. So they if, left it rains, it. if it rains in September or October, that's really rare. Most well, of the rain is coming January, February, March, isn't it? Yeah, and, and maybe it was a fluke in that year, but it wasn't even as. 97 we talked about as a big vintage in terms of alcohols. So it wasn't even a specifically hot year. It was just that they left the fruit to hang mm. until they could have space in the, in the cellar to make the wine. Yeah. In 98, 99, that didn't happen, so they went back to sort of quote-unquote normal vintages. Yeah, okay. And then in 2000, when the 97 was released... And everyone went, oh my God, everyone this went, what we did. Holy shit, 97. So Joseph Phelps made a 100-point wine. Schaefer Hillside Select was a 100-point wine. These are all Parker scores. You know, the, the, <laughs> don't, the, don't say those, scores. Don't say I know, scores. It infuriates me. I know, but it's important because this is, this is the era when a lot of people got brought into the sort of California fold. A lot of, I mean, this is when a lot of Wall Street guys started spending a lot of money because... You know, you had guys that now you've already got the cold because they were ripped off. Ironically, Wall Street guys ripping people off got ripped off by bullshit. Wine well, stores. that's yeah. the thing is those wines didn't act; those wines didn't actually age as well as some of the more Europe, some, some of the quote unquote leaner wines that were made before. Yeah. But I, okay, John, because you, you, I, I'm just going to put something to you. You hate points, and we've talked about we won't talk about it too much because we it always gets brought up on other podcasts. But as an example, we all know. So it's it was 19, I think it's 1976, isn't it? The the tasting of Paris. Yeah. You know, the, yep. the famous tasting where Stag's Leap, Wine Cellars, Cabernet beat loads of the top Bordeaux's and it was the Chateau Montalena Chardonnay. Chardonnay, beat, it Chardonnay yeah, yeah, a lot of the Burgundies. So it, that is when, you know, Napa Valley wines and California in general got put on the map. But that's still really, you know, that's probably one of the most significant dates in, you know, Californian wine history. But you mentioned these points. That really is what has really put California wine and Napa specifically on the map. I think that. So, so whereas you, yeah, you you're, you're, you're points, comparing something that happened back in a long time ago in the eighties or seventies is something that should still happen now. My issue is not with points what happened in the past. Ju- My issue is what points is happening currently. Yeah. The point is that but it's currently now. If you look at every score aggregately, they've all gone up. So if you aren't getting ninety eight, you ain't bothered. You, you might as well not get scored. And it's gotten better, I think. Things have I changed. Got, I think it's got worse. It's the, the pendulum. And you wouldn't have you wouldn't have Scolian Project making wines like that in Napa I disagree completely I'm gonna, so mar- gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be careful because I don't know exactly when they started but that style <laughs> would not have been popular in 1995 at all no no it wouldn't that's that's the change in the wine market but yeah. this is just yeah how do you wine point score this wine because unfortunately well, wine point scores are done based on 
regional style perceived idea of the style you're so being if you haven't got a region you're that's well known to, or, or no no but also you're, you're meant to be doing your regional style so if you're New Zealand so you're really New Zealandy. that's extra points if you're not really New Zealandy, but you're actually much better or better tasted to other people you lose marks because you're not in the style the, the entire you're not if you compare if scores yeah. were done A 0 to 100 properly 0 to 100 none of this stupid bullshit anything under 80 doesn't count crap that just makes no sense yeah as a math somebody did maths make you go I have a scoring system we don't use the first 80 points of it <laughs> 80 yeah, I, scoring I, system I is pointless only the one. last bit is pointless yeah that makes no sense it's like the wine's drinkable cool you're 80 and then everything else is after that um the other point about it is it's not comparing wine to wine it's comparing only wines from that region in a specific style now we have more and more sub-regions so you can then argue cool this is a 98 point from this sub-region this style not from the overarching style this well, we is my well, you could, the wine yeah, world I mean, is too complicated to do unless you or you have to go we score these wines but with every competition with every competition whether it be the best no, 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 show no 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 um, fastest runner is fastest runner it's not fastest runner no it's run- not it's the fastest runner that competed in that competition yeah but you have about four, four different races not well, 200 the same wines so don't, don't get rated the same way when they're tasted again so, yeah. I mean, so the point is, you, you then you, know, I mean, you then have to start going. If you're going to do it, you're going to do a point scoring system. I only respect if you go. This is a hundred point score. It's one of the best wines in the world compared to every other wine. Not it's the best wine in its class, in its place, on this year of what was entered when I tasted it, who I got bribed by, where I had lunch. <laughs> that is not how it should be scored. Yeah, and that's bullshit. And that is why, but scoring for everything is difficult. It, it, it was a real, honestly, it was a vicious, it was a bit of a vicious kind of circle in Napa because honestly, at the same time you had people like Harlan starting, people like Screaming Eagle starting that were selling futures as well. So if you look at Har- Harlan start, Harlan Estates. For, people that know is sort of is a cult california napa producer started amazing, nice, wines. amazing amazing wines uh, i've bonds never tried well. it they, they, oh, they, I have. he makes oh, bonds harlem estate was one of my first napa wines so, I ever so drunk. they started imagine? in 1984 didn't produce wines until the early 90s and they, they basically what happened is they were selling like in border they were selling futures and this is the problem though this is also where the finance is, market got exactly obsessionally involved in the wine market so, and it's got problems to this but this, this feeds in this feeds I make money everything. off of it but it's a problem well, no, well, exactly so it feeds into everything because then they would, they would sell futures so they would sell out and then that fed into the demand so then oh my god there's massive demand for this wine and you got guys like Screaming Eagle making wines now too and um, so <laughs> Screaming Eagle screaming so basically I mean, how, how much does Screaming Eagle cost now £3,000 a bottle more on yeah, the first probably. release the Sauvignon Blanc Screaming Eagle is more, I think, even. The Screaming Eagle was like the mouton of bloody California. Well, Screaming Eagle is crazy, crazy. And then, I mean, and just Scarecrow. Is Scarecrow completely separate to Screaming Eagle? Do, do they have um, a connection? As far as I know, they it's are separate. separate. Yeah. But you have and they're a completely lot of different these. part of um, the valley. They're in the same. Where are they? Are they in Stag. Not Stagsville. They're in. Yonkville, I think. Yeah, well, so together. Y- yeah, so a lot of the, a lo- well, a lot of the top, wa- a lot of the those wines are in those sort of three AVAs, which yeah. are in Napa. So well, Oakville is, yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just thinking. So let's taste this wine because we. I realise you boys have both commented on the wine that John has brought as an example that wouldn't have a chance in the points, but people don't know what we're pointing at. So. So let's actually this quirky these, these, these weird. These are wines to be excited about California, but yeah. Okay, so talk about this this Napa Valley wine you brought. So this is the uh, La Granata from Shalom Project. Um, so Shalom Project, we call like one of the. As far as my basic knowledge of them is, I only know them as by passing. I picked the bottle of one up today, fully admitted. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there, but it's something that really caught my interest. So retail, how much would it be? Um, retail, I paid. So I went from ten cases who you can drink in. Um, so price would have been after you take off discount for taking out would have been about. 
37 it's 37 pounds yeah okay um something a bit cool and funky i don't know what the general retail price it could be slightly different but that's mm-hmm. in central london uh, you know f- fully cards on the table um but it caught my eye because i i like that one of the things i think that california has been leading on more than many other places even in the new world for a long time is experimentation Mm. Um, and you've got a lot of funky guys out there. Big shout out to my guys from Dirty and Rowdy, who were meant to be on a podcast one time but never got on there because of crap that happened and I was ended up stuck in traffic. Mm. Who I love those guys there who are doing crazy stuff with Muvedra. Again, how would you point score Muvedra in California compared to who? I don't know. Um, this is another example. Sean Project also, they've got a lot of links on Project with a lot of the more modern guys up in Oregon um, and in New York, um, with Red Hook in New York mm. State as well, who I love the guys in New uh, Red Hook. Again, experimentation, playing, seeing what works better, we all love is the vine. Um, and so as far as I know from this wine, the project started, actually the first one I did was in 2016, it was kind of a one-off. Uh, it was meant to be a one-off, ended up not, but people loved it so much, people asked them to recreate it again in 2017, which is what we've got here. Make sure I'm right on that before I start saying that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, 2017. Um, and it's actually a crazy blend. So this is well, the interesting about California, what people don't realise is before all of the French grape varieties were planted, is mainly Spanish grape varieties planted in California. Well, they had phylloxera, of course, as well. In, well, that in happened in the beginning well, of the 1800s. It, so it, 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 it was, so a lot of the choice of replanting was to go with French uh, exactly, national grape so um, varieties. So this is a kind of a weird, crazy mix between lots of different nations in a sense. So in here, you've actually got Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, uh, Vedeo, mm-hmm. and Cinso in a white. It, Sanso, really. Yeah. And yeah. if anyone does, Sanso is a red Traditionally, grape variety, you think of grape, but it, it is, it is used in white grape varieties in the south of France sometimes. But yeah, but it's it's a bit of a crazy. I mean, obviously, I'm guessing a bit of skin contact. It tastes like, like skin contact. Annoyingly, the, the, the I, contour, the, the, this is a this is definitely unfiltered. Okay, it's and slightly cloudy. As much as I'm gonna I'm gonna gush over their wine now and tell them how great they are. I'll also say, Shalom Project. Your website's crap. You don't tell me anything about your wine. You whistle on about <laughs> your inspiration and how you feel about it. And your f- I don't care about that's, your feelings. I want facts and figures. Come on. I'm a wine it's, geek. It's very textural. Um, oh, nice. And to be honest, anyway, I mean, yeah. the colour is... I'm just trying to look for something it's white. It's like funky yellow, it's, isn't it? It's, it's, like, it's, uh, it's golden. Yeah. It's like medium golden colour. But it's I definitely mean, un- definitely unfiltered. We don't even have to look at it to even, even look at something from that. This is a raw... Yeah. This is what we call raw wine, but an elegantly made one. So I'm really happy with it. Buying something I wasn't sure about come out really well. But yeah, textual, all about minerality, textual, yeah. terroir, it's really driven. And for a saltiness. blend, that's interesting as well. I it it's is very salty. Terroir. It's a bit, bit salty. Bruised, bit of bruised apples. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, it's got that real pure apple concentration, which often comes with natural wines. Yeah. But it's super fresh and it's not funky. It's not. It's no, not, this is. This is. This isn't. A f- and this also, I think, was what America is actually ironically doing better after doing a lot of the funky wines originally, along with a lot of the crazy people in Europe. I think the US is actually leading the kind of, and a bit in Australia now, on natural or unfiltered or funkier wines. Oregon's doing a lot of it. Mm. A lot of Oregon's un- unfiltered now completely. Yeah, but Napa but without, is not really, but it's not There's more than you for. think. There's well, more than you yeah, think. Yeah, but it's probably not coming here. This is. Well, this is what Gellar to mention. You've got Dirty and Rowdy. Uh, you've got, oh, Christ, a few comments from Benson Nido, um, Shenan. A lot of those producers are not doing any filtration or anything to the wines. There is a lot more than you think, but unfortunately, because it's such a huge winemaking region, it's outweighed by the, the other stuff you see. Um, but I do think that America, for long time, I mean, California was being overlooked in Europe, but actually, if you're in America, I think you know more, actually produces a lot of really interesting, cool, experimental wines. And a little bit yeah. more of the attitude of, hey, let's go give it a go. Yes. Not, not just, this is what we're supposed to do. Because you like said it. that I, this I would is say, exciting. Well, this is really exciting. I mean, I, I was, you know... 
if you look at sort of the, this is really like 2010 on I, I think you know, yeah it's, you been, still it's been have, a big change suddenly yeah well, you yeah. still have from like 97 we talked about that vintage got all these high scores I mean it's a, it's a really that's that's not that long ago no. and then you had that that's kind of the Parker period up through in, so white, like in white terms it's no time at all it's, it's not that much time at all and then so you have Dirty and Rowdy started to I think 2011 these I do guys. love those. I do love those guys. Yeah, and so favorites. I mean, you guys, Steve, Steve Mathiasen now, yep. for example, in Napa, making things like Rebola Giala. Yeah, like, people like Abe like, Schumer, who's been going around everywhere, yeah. and been a big influence as well. And I think so, it's a great guy. As well. Super interesting things are happening in Napa. The problem with the, the only th- problem that I think I can see with Napa is that it's such a small area, and it's kind of full of people already making Cabernets that are making $100 a bottle so it's mm. hard to kind of swing the pendulum why would you change why yeah. would you change I mean like Bordeaux is kind of the same way like why would you not make more lower Cabernet well, yeah, you see, but you can yeah. but you do see it it's just you, you have to have a bit of you have to sneak in sort of lesser known AVAs you have to kind of you know Coombsville is this AVA we're seeing in Napa now it's only since 2011 Yeah. and so people are making yeah there's a lot of Cabernet there but people are you doing you get a lot more freshness I, and let's actually for a second wine lesson so people can actually understand where the regions are um we've already touched on um carneros being straddling sonoma and uh napa it's a bit easy it looks a bit of both that's so. nice and yeah. of course everyone needs to understand the reason why right in the south where you get carneros it's the cooler region you've got loads of cooling breezes and fog coming you know the pacific coast it gets sucked in um san pablo bay yep. sucks it all in that's basically where los carneros is and as it goes all the way up it gets a bit warmer and warmer and warmer until you get to calestone uh, yes i from the way i've always i always say calestone the way i remember the doesn't mention all of the regions but the 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 word yours so yours, Y O U R S, Y for Yonville, oh. O uh, uh, O for Oakville, yeah. Oakville. Um, uh, S. Oh, so it's not the it's the it's not yours. What's collect- no, you? No, you have to ignore that. So <laughs> it's R, not completely yours. spelled already. Um, R for Rutherford yeah. and S for Saint Helena. So it's yeah. like yours, but like not with you. So I, but for me that that always stuck in my head. Um, and then I always remembered that you had loads of C's. You have to just remember there's like C's every, like it's the letter C yeah. everywhere. So Carneros at the bottom, Coombsville is, is, is really nearby, and right at the end is Calistora. So yeah. that, that's just feel, kind I of. I feel like I speak for all of our listeners that you've just taken something very complicated and made it slightly more confusing and complicated. Do you think that's more. No, I feel like it, acronyms and stuff like that. Acronyms really... work if you have so, one acronym, not one acronym for kind of some of the bits, plus then <laughs> no, but remember. Is, but that is the, remember the C's is not a. Oakville, Santa, um, sorry. You're doing really well at that Yonville, point. Oakville, Rutherford and Santa Elena. That is one, it literally is going from um, south up to north. Right this next is, to each this other. Is, this is, they are the main, obviously Stag's Leap then, of course, is there to are the loads. east. There are 16. Exactly. You're not, you're not doing, like, like Michael, I feel it, no. inside Napa. Mr. Mr. American. Do you feel like my yours kind of acronym's okay? I quite like yeah. it. It works for me. It might work for somebody else who's listening. Okay, he's, he's very nice. Um, but You're M- not. Michael Jackson makes small boys nervous works. <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, that's the acronym for all the different sizes of champagne bottles. And that works. <laughs> it does. Okay, Michael really. Magnum, Jackson, Jeroboam, Makes, Methuselah, Small, uh, Samazar, Boys, Balthazar, Nervous, Nebuchadnezzar. That you will never, and I got told it once in my life, I've never forgotten it to this day. Very nice. Your acronym was, I have an acronym surrounded by some C's, just, there's some other bits off to the side. Like, yeah, it's, you need well, a small, you need okay, a small well, map of your acronym. It's, it's, it's hard because... You're not going to have an acronym for the 
for the 16 Well, you ABAs. can work on it. Why There's not? There's lots of stuff in the mountains okay. as well. I mean, Napa's so complicated. Well, you've got the Mayakamas Mountains on the west side. Yes. You've got the Bacchus kind of hill range on the east side. Hence why... You're, you're right you're to separate the centre. I think you have to separate the yeah. centre, think of it as one place, and then you do the mountain. And only when I've had to do it, and I have to learn it for exams is I normally remember most of it's a yeah, circle how do, you, how do you remember it then tell our listeners how that if they if, if trace you maps yours... trace shit tons of maps basically that's it oh, um, well, colouring like, in I, I like my acronym okay. you've got then if you're you gonna, remembered it anyway the, so it worked for you it worked I mean, for me whatever, and it might you know. work for one other person and then I'll you, feel happy please so you can somebody tell me then. If it, um, then okay let's see I don't know so then you've got um, I said Stag's Leap is obviously on the side of uh, Yonville Yanina is then moving your hand to the, the side I'm moving my hand so I've got to work out on the east side which you're correct obviously if you stay on the east side a little bit further you've got um, Atlas Peak you've That's also right. got yeah. a little bit further like Chile Valley and I always remember like it's like Chile Valley because it's weird because obviously I work for a Chilean winery and I don't even know much about that at all then I can't remember what's right up at the top so we'll just ignore that sorry everyone if you have a really good wine up there going back to the west side on the Mayacamas you've got Mount Vida then you've got Spring District and then what what's just before oh no what's just before uh, Calistogo in which uh, how um how um, how, how, how well done, well done. Oh, it's on the east side. How much on the east side? So yeah. then, what's on? So what's just above? Diamond Mountain, you're missing. Diamond. Diamond. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's up, yeah. Diamond Mountain is just above. Uh, Spring District Mountain below Calistoga. So I think that's pretty much. I think what we've it. Really is, well, those are the major ones anyway. <laughs> what we've learned from here is, oh, this is always learned to come to us to get to really simplify wine regions. We um, always try and make things simple and they just fail. Before I forget, I also say a big thank you to um, Laz 110 Televance for uh, hosting us again. Uh, otherwise, I'll forget to do this as I do every episode. We have been here for quite a few of our last episodes, not all of them. Um, in fact, the latest one we released was one we recorded a really long time ago in uh, Lathwaite. Um, but um, I love you say that, realizing this one won't be released until like four or five episodes. Oh, we on. don't know exactly. No, we, I do know because I've got like, two more we, to edit. I'm editing two listen, more. We don't know. So what, yes, for, our filler number four, she's talking about, which I've just released lately as mm-hmm. we're recording, but not not to when this will go out. Um, we've recorded somewhere very echoey, very this, but no, that's everyone's been very nice to host us. And they are many looking times. after us amazingly. And as, as we said in. Pushing our... up with us, I think, is the better term. Um, <laughs> and have we, hang on, have we released our um, Uruguay episode yet? Have We haven't yet, have that we? Will be re- no, that will be released by. Before this because one. Because we recorded it before, <laughs> there a go, it will be out before. So, as we said on our Uruguay episode. Um, you need to d- d- struggle with the idea of what's been released depends what we've been recorded. I'm really yeah. tired today. It's Monday, and it's hard to get into the swing of life again. You but do this every Monday. <laughs> anyway, not always. He, don't stop bullying me. Um, <laughs> if you come to Le Talavant, um, which is just by Oxford Street, there is, hence the name 110, there is 110 glasses of wine. Like there are also wine. 110 wines by the glass, but yes, there are yeah. also 110 what glasses of wine. What you said was better than what I said, yes. but nonetheless, they both had the same meaning. And they so, didn't. One was correct, one was wrong. Thank you very much, Le Talavant <laughs> for letting us uh, record here. Um, we're very happy to be here. And then drinking tasty wine as well. They also know their wine. The wines are actually, actually, especially for the region, area, good value, and also some good age on them as well. Mm. Oh, One of the big, what, big what factors. Cal- what Napa, do you know what? Do we know what Napa Valley wines they have by the glass? We were they looking earlier. They have got some Napa Valley stuff. That's my stuff. And I, he actually stopped himself did, buying Napa I didn't Valley. Have, we had a glass before before we started. I didn't buy California. Okay, so just. So they do have nice stuff. I, I don't. We remember. can't remember, but, but they're renowned for doing more French, lovely. Of um, well, they have 110, so they have a lot of. But they they have have the they've got that. They've got nice stuff. And the difference is they're buying a lot and selling it, which again is like yeah. uh, promote a lot is important. 
So, you know, the Burgundy, even at a lower entry level, was 2014, not 2017. Yeah. Uh, 14 being a fantastic vintage where you had the Marcinet. Yeah. Um, I had a good glass of bottle from a uh, glass of from Dirk Newport from Portugal, uh, who's a great wine producer. But all around, I mean, I was actually here for the tasting menu the other day. Yeah, you said, didn't you? Beautiful bottle of Philippe Collin in 2010, Chasse Montrocher Premier Cru from Le Champs. Can you say it actually where people understand? Chasse Montrocher. Chasse Montrocher. I can do it with my accent. Really well, it's probably the French accent. It's probably clearer than yours. And the Chasse Montrocher from Le Champs from Philippe Collin. I mean, uh, it's so personal. But 2010, so it just shows the difference, and it wasn't um, as was actually extraordinarily reasonable. Um, and he's a f- one of my favourite producers, and to have that age on it from a great vintage is fantastic. So mm. um, I do heavily recommend here, not because they let us record here and put up with us not just because they actually generally would recommend coming and the taste is fantastic there you yeah. go thumbs up and cool uh, thumbs up. getting back into the podcast yes um anyway so t- i i i really like this wine i'm really pretty impressed it's the so, first time i've actually had anything that's kind of natural so we're, from very so we're all agreeing that it's cool, so funky no. Californian blends are the I way to go forward. I would never, ever, in a blind tasting, put this in. I didn't you even, can't. I, you, you can't. Like, you, can't. You, you can't. There's no way to... And it's it. so fresh. Um, it doesn't have any weightiness behind it that I just would never associate it with Napa because I really do associate, even with the even with the lovely Carnero Chardonnays, they generally oak them, don't they? I mean, the unoaked Chardonnays I've always found tend to come more from Sonoma. So actually, uh, I just the fact that it's not big and fruit bomby. They come from Sonoma, did you say? A lot of the unoaked stuff I've had. Oh, right, okay. A yes, lot of the yes, unoaked yes, Chardonnays yes, 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 yes. tend to come more, from, like as a speciality, it seems, from Sonoma. At least, at least a, uh, less, less heavy hand Oh, Sonoma. this is... Oh, yeah. the, Mm-hmm. Uh, Eighty to hundred pounds on a wine list. You happy with this in a restaurant? I um, think it's. I think it's delicious. I, I, would, I would guess. I would guess. I anyway. think. If, yes, I'm just, I'm just, for quality, I'm, not for my style, because I'll. Tr- how much do you think it would be? I would say 80, 80 pounds to hundred on a wine list. It, well, if, the, if you're ten cases. About Central London. Ten cases. Central London Covent Garden. This is forty nine pounds. Yes. Which we all know. Ten cases you, are well on price, but yeah. What, what? Okay, so what do we think wholesale price on this would be if it's thirty seven? If you're thirty seven for me to buy retail. If you bought it forty nine on them. Hmm? Twenty quid to sell to ten cases. Well, I think it would be seventy pounds in a normal restaurant at least. Because I think you, I'd, 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 I'm, I'm asking high, because high Napa much. on a label adds a premium. Mm-hmm. And that's why one part of the reason why it's I mean, part of the reason why sort of it, it is seen as sort of uncool. I mean, this is a cool it's a very cool wine. Um, it suffers a bit from an image issue, I think, because of the prices that are required to enter the Napa game. I think in US in general, though, I mean, like Oregon aren't cheap even even Washington is State. So, climbing more, yeah, climbing more. I mean, so to, to get keep, but that's Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. That's yeah, not. Yeah. I think I think the problem is though you're not you're not. Well, no, there's also Cabernet Sauvignon from Washington State. Cabernet oh, yeah, is coming well, very from, good. From Washington, yes. Um, yes, yes and then yes. also Viognier from Oregon. I think that again, I do need slight disservice just speaking Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. I mean, the difference is that if you're going to bother buying wines from those regions in a good place, so even when I used to when I when I ran my my last trip to Cellar. All the stuff we did at retail from the US wasn't cheap because yeah. there's a few good bargains on there, like a good £15 bottle of Pinot. Ironically, my Pinot Noir and my Chardonnay were the two cheapest. But yeah, I think there, is, there isn't there is room to bother bringing wines over from that area and region because they're just not competing in the cheap market, or if they are, they're doing it locally against Chilean and Argentinian. Yeah. So they're not competing against Chilean and Argentinian in the UK. It's a different ball game yeah. entirely. I was so, curious because it's, it's something we see in the market all the time is with California wines. I mean, they're not inexpensive when they get over here. And so, once you've added on the markups. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're... Especially wine treasuries. Remember well, meeting, <laughs> I, remember, I remember meeting the winemaker of Cape Bread many, many years ago. And Cape Bread was one of our amazing premium... Uh, corny. Yeah, sorry, yeah. go on. Continue. 
this is back of the sorry importers whatever um it was a very premium um cabernet sauvignon um wine and we you know we all loved it and when he saw the price saw it on the the wine list i can't remember what we were selling it for you know 110 pounds i don't know it was quite a long time ago he said you know what I mean, this is a really delicious wine, and it is. It, but you know, we sell this in all the supermarkets, like in in, yeah. in America, yeah. and you can pick it up for. I don't know if he said fifteen pound, the equivalent of say fifteen pound a bottle, twenty pound a bottle, and you're just thinking, you know, that is crazy that we're selling it. You know, a hundred and twenty, hundred. But then you can also like say that. then, caveat to that, I've seen a lot of. Uh, actually, I've been to a lot of places. Um, I won't shit on the. Um, you um, I am going to. Uh, so her house group. Okay. Most of the wines in their wine list, I, I can't remember. It's Master Smelly who picks her wines. He should be fucking ashamed of himself. But um, uh, most of the wines is on their wine list are actually Waitrose wines, and it's really. And most of them are Berkman Waitrose wines, and they sell them for a retarded markup for people <laughs> who are paying one thousand five hundred pound for a membership. It's actually shocking. Actually, I've got my girlfriend's member put membership on hold, and we actually wrote a complaint <laughs> letter to him. And he, the wow. he went to meet him for coffee shop. No, I'm not doing that. But he didn't respond to it. But their wine list is a piss take. Yeah. Yeah. And you're already paying a shit ton for a membership. And then they're doing yeah. 80% markup on wines you can buy in white. They're Garvey. They're like you shit ton of wines. Yeah. No, but they're buying from Bertman. And Bertman are shit. And they, they throw everyone on the bus. For <laughs> they are. Oh, God, we're having a lot of pins. Sorry, yeah. sorry for Jaddy. But Bertman are shit. So <laughs> I don't use them anywhere because they put the wines in supermarkets. So um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. No, go on. I know, I'm just going to bring it back. The wine that I brought, which actually, thank you very much, I got from the wine treachery. So my lovely friend Chris can... Uh, she says, got the wine treachery. She said, Chris, please bring me a wine. Chris sorted her out. No, actually... Did uh, you pick the wine? Yes, I picked the yep, wine. You did. I, Why was it open I for said, it, thank, I said very specifically, please let me know how much I need to pay you. And then he turned up with it open and he already, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he'd already showed it to a customer and said, well, if you want to pay for it, you can pay for it. And if you don't, it's okay too. Your so quid's in there, basically. So you, you've won. It. As well, an hour before I got here, and I thought it was delicious, so I'll keep it. So it's a slightly. So what you're telling me is I'm 36 quid down, and you're up. No, because (laughs) I'm supposed to still pay for this. Anyway, listen, let's. Customers don't need to know about. He let you off the hook. Right. Anyway, he obviously made a sale. He obviously made a sale. Right. Anyway, the um, paradox. um, Interestingly enough, I picked. Good name, by the way. It's a really cool name. This is a 2015, and it's basically a Bordeaux brand. Blend, if you want to say it in English, um, they obviously call it their proprietary red wine. What I know, and you can add more in a second, Chris. Uh, again, I love Duckhorn in general. They wanted to create kind of a, 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 another brand, an offshoot that was focused very much on blends and not necessarily on Bordeaux. So they were always, always making their their Cabernets and their Merlots and things that were very Bordeaux focused. And their first blend, I think, um, maybe you remember when it was when it was made, maybe 1994, if yeah, I can remember. Yeah. In 1994. Well done. Uh, yay. And she did not have um, notes in front of her, I can no. guarantee this. And I have no notes in front of me. Um, but basically, it's it had some Zinfandel in it, then some Cabernet, Merlot, and I think even some Petit so becoming the great seasoner. I'm a big fan of Petit Verdot. It's becoming the great Yeah, it is a nice little seasoner yeah. as a great variety. So they did that, and then long story short, a few years later, they even um, they, they realised they needed to buy a few um, winery special vineyards that would they could plant different varieties that were not just Bordeaux. Then eventually, they've actually built a specific winery, the Paradox Winery. So they're very very proud of that, and they have a whole load of different wines now uh, within the uh, Paradox range. Do you have anything to contribute yeah. in terms of what you know that I don't? Yeah, no, they do. They, they do make a number of wines. Uh, they specialize in blends. Yeah. So this is this is part of the Duckhorn sort of stable of 
wineries, if you will. Oh, but it is delicious. This it, is classic it, it, it's beautiful. for me. This yeah. is what what I expect from Napa Valley. And I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No. But this is about £50 a bottle retail. 55 ish um, from what I know. Um, I a quick look. It's not horrendous yeah. for Napa. The only thing I would add is that, like you said, they, they started in 94. They bought, basically, they found some 100-year-old Zinfandel vines. Which ah, California, that I didn't know that. Which California is known it's for. It's not really. Yeah, you know, that's so, where you want to go to Sonoma. Especially old Zinfandel. Zinfandel. There seems to be, especially as you go up sort of north, you go to Dry Creek. Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's a Dry Creek out in the Valley of yeah. the region. It's you a, can find old Zinfandel. So they found, they found a few tons. Yes, they found a few like, tons of Zinfandel that, that they could buy. They bought it and mixed it with Duckhorn's Cabernet. Oh, is that how it happened? Yeah, so they made a blend, that, was, and they, they made that blend, the Duckhorn, for 10 years or so until they actually started their own winery in 2004, 2005. Mm. So I would say they, they impregnated. I don't know if they impregnated the Zinfandel the, with the, Duckhorn. The Duckhorn, yeah. Well, they impregnated, or they impregnated it. I don't know why my head is It's, it's been, so they have a number of blends that, like you said, they, they, they've got some Italian blend. Mm. They, they, they make, um, Sandy, they have San Giovese, other kind of funky stuff different stuff and this is the sort of this is the proprietary red like you said they can't call it Cabernet like we talked about earlier because it it's is not more a, Bordeaux varieties it's mostly well, Bordeaux with seven, well, you some Zinfandel and I think there's some uh, there's, there's Petit in Verdot there in well. this oh, there's mm. 19% Petit Verdot in this and Merlot as well mm. you can't call it a varietal because it's not 75% as yep. you said but it's it's the proprietary you know that word proprietary red just means sort of like the the it's estate red. It's, it's their, their blunt. You, you are correct. It's 75% for variety, which is 95% for vintage. It's a weird, like, they don't do the same thing overarching for everything like everyone else. Yeah. Like the uh, confusing part in California. Most regions, it'll be, if it's 75% for your region, well, most places, 85 is a general because that's the European yeah. standard. But, when it, but when if it comes over to Europe, they have for European rules. Yes, so, it always have to be 85% for that. Yeah. So it would still, if you buy, though, if you buy a bottle of wine. Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley in England, they would have to, or in European Union, mm -hmm. you would have to follow the European uh, Union rules for If you do that in Burgundy, they take your first son away from you. What? Is the rule, yeah. yeah but in Burgundy, you, you, you can't... If you do that in Burgundy, they kill you. So. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> like yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not a rule. <laughs> As you say that, there was a great Burgundy I've brought up before, which was um, I used to sell it. Like, oh, come back to the name of the uh, producer, but um, we used to have he had a great one. It's just Burgoyne. This class is a, 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 a Burgoyne um, Chardonnay, but it's a bit more pricey than others because actually it's a Merceau Premier Cru. Yeah. His own little bit of vineyard was declassified because his grandfather took some soil from the lower part when the top part was struggling oh, and put it on the top. This. Yeah. Just to bring it back to life a bit, but he was caught doing it. Yeah. Someone reported him because you know Burgundy's a small place, and someone Kill reported him. him. Yeah. And so you get killed. to you can basically drink an amazing Merceau Premier Cru that probably produces better than everyone else because it's got some better soil on it. Um, yeah. Fertile soil on it, um, and you can drink it, and it cost me about cost price eighteen pound twenty. And the idea is that Merceau Premier Cru from the same producer from soil that he hadn't done that on. Was about forty to fifty pounds, yeah. which is, and it's cost. Wow! So on yeah, a wine list, yeah. you're looking to see like a seventy pound bottle of wine to a hundred and eighty. It's all about finding yeah. bargains. I personally think I've, this is such good value. Good. This it's it's a little bit spicy. It's a little bit almost warm and mince ready, but it still spice has that love. The spice comes through really nice. The Zinfandel really comes through, actually, yeah. doesn't it? Actually, John, I really like that word. It really is playful. It's only twenty percent Zinfandel, but actually, I get that like really stemmy chocolate. But it's it's not like it's, one. It's not it's, one. It's fun. But it's interesting. It's complex enough. Um, it's also robust enough without being in your 
face. The tannins are very subtle, but they're there. Everything's it, it's it's, all... it's not though they're like sometimes you talk about spice with red wines or big spice. You think oh black pepper, which is this. Not this isn't not with this. This isn't. This is really when I say playful because I feel like. I go, it's Mediterranean spice. Yeah, you like a little bit of star anise, you a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little, and, none, and nothing's dominating. Yeah. There is some pepper in there, but it's not dominant. Yeah. A bit of like um, pink pepper as well, yeah. white, red, and then you've also got a bit of uh, definitely star anise. You a bit and of, you said uh, the chocolate, I agree. So There's a nice black cherry yeah. in the I background. I get a lot of Zimbabwe character. And, uh, yeah. But with, in that sort of like, it's like a very exuberant... Um, Electric sort of ways. Well, you, you, I mean, I don't need to tell the Psalms this, but you know, Zimbabwe has that differential ripening thing. So on the same bunch, you can have one sort of one's, gr- really one, raisins, one's greener grape and one's a raisin. So you mm. get that sort of green character, stemminess with a raisin as well. And so you can get that really chocolatey Christmas pudding thing. Yeah, it's but. I can I can almost see the direction of that with this wine, but so much fresher. It's actually lighter. The freshness is, is very this good. Is, I think it's fifteen percent like, alcohol. Is more, so it's yeah. fourteen point nine actually. But is yeah, it? Does yeah. it say that? Yeah. This is we a, call it fifteen. I do. I, was, I do like. I do like that the US and now some of the modern Australian vineyards and the smaller guys are now doing exact labelling where they're like, this is exactly fourteen point nine. Well, if your you're course, Italian, a fourteen point nine would be a thirteen and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we all know, like. Yeah, this is 12.5. Don't worry about that. It's fine. Don't worry about it. No, but I have to say, I mean, this is a full-body wine, but actually I had to go back and think about it because without paying attention, I was almost going to say medium body because it just, because you said playful. It's not full-body. It I'd say it's medium. Feels, I'd say it's a medium body Oh, wine. I don't know. I still think there's some weight, but really. Not, not. It's not overbearing. It doesn't, not at all. I mean, I was no, that's, originally, that's originally going to say the medium, alcohol, but the, the, then, alcohol, the alcohol is there, and if you once you know it's there, you can find it, it but yeah. if you didn't know, it, you wouldn't realise. Before I was paying attention to it, I was just going to say medium so body it's body it's a dangerous wine because uh, I could uh, 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 happily smash that bottle quite now. But this for me, so like if was, you two left, <laughs> I'd be quite happy. Put it so that way. What, so. my I mean, yours, these yours te- well balanced as well. I must say we didn't talk about the alcohol in his, but it's still California alcohol. And it doesn't. It's, it's surprising high, especially for the great varieties. Fourteen point two four. I yeah. love that. Really <laughs> exciting. Um, Fourteen point yeah. two four. Again, that would and be an Italian twelve point five. Um, <laughs> yeah. So especially if Zamaroni, it'd be eleven point five. But I have to well, say, this has been a really interesting. The, th- the the three wines, you know, I think the paradox. Uh, no, no, because no, no, his, because no. Napa is just Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> and we've quite clearly shown that we haven't it's taken a Cabernet and we haven't taken a Chardonnay. The Sauvignon Blancs, I think people need to pay a bit more attention to because you can actually get some fantastic wine without paying very much money for it. I think that's. that's I think that the classical the one that carry over better because the Chardonnays have so much reputation around them. Oh, the you will always pay more. But people pay more. But I think yeah. also. Um, Dark Horse really good one. Um, Stank's Leaps White is also yeah. a really good value one. Yeah. Uh, that you can find very easily. And actually, it's one of the ones you can find easier. The big boys make. The whites and you don't, and it's often overlooked because they're making. But it's funny reds the, the Bordeaux comparison. The com- Bordeaux comparison. The big boys now making whites in Bordeaux, are charging red Bordeaux prices for them. Yeah. But the Californian guys have not got away with that with their white Sauvignon chip. If you think about Sauvignon Blanc being apparent to Cabernet Sauvignon genetically, in terms of the sort of, yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's apparent to Cabernet Sauvignon, the Cabernet Franc, right? So it actually works well there. When we think about mm. very cool climate Sauvignon Blanc, it's sort of New Zealand those immediate fruit flavors. Drink it now, but actually where Cabernet is growing, I think Sauvignon Blanc has a really good place too. Yeah, and, and they, I, they I are doing it in Bordeaux. So. It's that riper style. I think the difference is it's when you're catching its age. I'm not a huge New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc fan, as I may have mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before, it's having a moment. I'm all for the riper. 
I, I do also like Sauvignon Blend with Semillon. I do think they yeah. look at Hunter Valley. Semillon, like, Semillon is massively underlooked, and especially when they blend Semillon's with Semillon, yeah. you, you actually get something, I think, that can they're be just really a match made. I think yeah. they're, just, they're meant to be together. They, they are. They, they, are, they, they do. Just, it's the Merlot to the Cabernet. Yeah. It's the Semillon to the exactly. Semillon. So, guys, we're almost at the end. Um, what's, the, what's, what's the conclusion? What's the, what's the future, Chris? What's Gosh, the future the, well, for Napa Valley? There's we, so much going on. There is so much going on. I mean, I think, well, points will always continue. I mean, as long as social media... I mean, is important as long as journalists are important. I mean, points will always, you know, wines will always be rated and looked at. And <laughs> luckily, well, it's true, but you know, we can it's talk. Changing, we can talk about changing. this forever. I mean, but I'm, I'm going to say something very controversial. Maybe I'll Just say to it finish later, up. But. No, 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 no. I mean, points. One minute. Go. Points. Points have brought a lot of people into the fray as well. Mm. I mean, hey, as much as you hate I it, I keep hearing this. I know. Not okay. Any evidence? Of okay. This. I know, but okay. So. Well, Look, about, I know that I when you Napa, sell the wine to a customer, you mention the points. And that's I, I, I don't. It. I don't because uh, no one here really cares. I mean, I, I, do. I don't care. Thank you for that. Uh, no, no, no I, I agree. I, I don't. I mean, you know, unless you're buying, unless you're a broker and you're selling. I mean, we, we love our a lot, a lot of our yeah, customers, and the, the points, points do matter. Okay, for better or worse, points matter. Yeah. And that's just the way that it is. And that's probably the I, way that it will be until... I don't disagree that points matter. Unfortunately, I say they do. The difference I argue yes. is they shouldn't matter because they're bullshit. Yes. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yes. Thank yes, you very yes, much. Yes. I think the future will be more exciting wines like Scolian Project, mm-hmm. doing things that are blends and skin contacting stuff. Unfortunately, you don't see it. If, if we're just talking about Napa, we just we don't see it as much in Napa. It will be interesting Calif- to other, yeah. other wine regions in California are really interesting. Paso Robles and further down in we, the Central Coast, I think, is Montesino almost, as well is really, really we great. Got more flexible. It's almost like they feel like because they do a lot more room varieties and stuff, and they can just unleash be yourself. more fun and playful with everything. We've got a know. we've got a producer in the in the El Dorado in the El Dorado County in, in the Sierra Foothills making Rhone varieties then shout out to Skinner Vineyards who are doing amazing stuff very much not like Skinner it's not like you're, hey you're friend from a gang very, like much, very much not in the Napa you know framework of what this should be um, and then, yeah there's a lot to say about Napa what, basically just just wrap it up from my point I'll just say that just I, I love just Napa I think they're not very it's it's not a very cool wine region I think unfortunately in the 90s they decided to kind of turn their back on sommeliers in a sense and to sort of okay. move Ooh, they, they did they did I agree opinion. with you I Napa, agree with you I Napa think. in the 90s when they realized they could sell to private mailing lists and to basically private customers to for a hundred but it's true they basically stopped exclusive didn't they they stopped Selling to restaurants and in, in in the sense that they they went LVMH instead of going. Uh, they Bergen just they just kind of lost. I think in, you know when they were trying to find their way, they would have loved to have distribution in all the restaurants they do now. But now that they now when they got that in the nineties, I do think sommeliers, especially the younger generation sommeliers, have been kind of like Napa. You know, do you it's think very that's uncool. Do you always think that Napa, in their own way of being, almost so. Not intentionally anti-sommelier or anti-pandering, to, and I would say pandering to the sommelier, the interesting or the weird wine culture. They've almost alienated California, which is why you're now seeing a rise in Washington and Oregon and New York State, who very much, whether intentional or not, do pander to sommelier culture. At least in the, in, yeah. in, in, in in Europe, I I I fully admit I gush over New York and Oregon and Washington State Ooh, because. Yeah, yeah, but, like, but that's another episode. Finger, but, finger but, lakes. It's it's that'd be a good name for the title. But they, I just feel that those those regions, because they feel so free and almost like they want to do the opposite of what Napa's doing, and I feel some of them intentionally do very opposite. Whether they again, not saying it's planned, but where how it ends up being, that 
similes and we're kind of embracing them like you're the small cool little guy fighting the big guy and it's become almost this the all these other guys are fighting and they're not fighting california but we almost like to think of it this stupid tribalism way yes and not even that far afield i mean look to sonoma well i mean we we were we were talking about sort of farmer versus i mean it's bordeaux versus burgundy it's sonoma versus napa it's sort of the guy they do like to distance it's it's the guy in the suit versus the farmer and you know Yeah. yeah that that fight will continue on i do think napa i mean Napa has a huge. It's very. It's not going important. anywhere. It's, it's very not leaving anywhere. At the end of the day, Napa has the greats, whilst it has the Opus One, the Roman Davi. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Are we call bullshit here, right? I love Roman Davi. The most wines are great. Opus One's a piece of dog shit, though. Like, uh, I'm not. I'm going to call it. It is. It is honestly one of the most plain, boring, <laughs> big name wines I've ever. And I've. I'm, I've again tried many vintages. And, I'm, and hey, fuck well, me on this. Of all ones, and I get really annoyed at some minutes ago. Oh, I tried this vintage Opus One. I go, yeah, cool. And it tasted plain. Dull and boring, like every vintage has, and very little to do with Robert Mondavi. It's a very shit wine. I'm sorry, but Robert Mondavi's all these other wines, fantastic. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, we were Go gonna. Well, uh, funny enough, we're about to stop, but Chris is like, "Can we keep this going?" <laughs> I like this conversation. This is, I like talking about. Yeah. You know I mean, what we we're what we're gonna do? We're gonna sum this up. Um, I may actually carry on then recording a second one just quickly because Chris seems to have some other ideas. So um, for now, guys, for, the, thank for, you. Main for, podcast, for this podcast, there'll, there'll be an extra to this. We may do because Chris, like, can we keep talking about this? No, just, um, yeah, yeah, go on. Go guys, on. let us know what Europeans are. Have you tasted Opus One? Have you tasted any uh, of the big dogs? In Did you spend Napa? money on Opus One? Did you do it? Did you waste your money? Oh, oh. St- don't listen to John. If you liked it, that's fine. I've I've enjoyed some ep- uh, some episodes. I've enjoyed some bottles of Opus One. So it's anyway. not paper. That is true, but anyway. Um, uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll see you again on another episode. Chris, you're a mate. Chris, Christian. Thank you. Thank you for having Mon, me. Mon, Tai, Just think of man and tie. Man, Christian man, tie. Come on, get over it. There we go. You're amazing. Um, before we go, as well, also thank you to our sponsor, Smelly Socks, who I forgot to mention earlier. I'm terrible at this. Uh, thank you very much. You can find Smelly Socks both on Amazon, Etsy, and eBay. Ugh, Christmas awesome. is coming up, guys. Get that present for the people you don't know how to get present for. Get Does Champagne Charlie chop there? Or? He will oh, he be. Will no, he's, be. Already, okay. no, he's already got to order in with me. He will. And he's a man who loves some socks, so don't worry, that's coming. We will see you again in another but episode. But I'll make sure I show you better socks than Champagne Charlie. You'll wear the same socks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank and you very much, guys. I'll do it again. See you again in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>